I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. With Lee Lonsberry, from Utah's Capitol Hill to your schools, Texas, and all the breaking news. Hear it on Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. 1.37 is the time right here in the KSL newsroom. Let me uh, get some appropriate music for this next story I want to tell you. Here we go. There it is. Yeah, you recognize that? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you've heard this at a special moment in your own life. Yeah, it's the wedding march. A number of years ago, I got a phone call from my younger sister. She was engaged at the time, and the question she asked me during that phone call was, Lee, would you officiate my wedding? And I thought, oh my gosh. Uh, first, I, I don't even know where to begin. Second, I'm flattered. Thank you so much for the invitation. I love that. Uh, I would love to be to occupy that special role in your special day. Uh, I said to her, I said, well, where where will you be getting married? I you know, have just a basic knowledge of, you know, the laws differ from state to state on who can uh, solemnize a, a wedding, a marriage. And in New York State, you need to, uh, you know, to, you need to be ordained of some sort or you need to be, uh, you know, in some co- some sort of category, a category in which I did not fit. I wasn't the governor. I wasn't a member of any legislature. I uh, wasn't even a, a resident of the state of New York. But, uh, you know, if you go online and you uh, click and clack here and you pay a little fee, uh, you will be, uh, you know, ordained to, uh, you know, some, you know, quote unquote faith that then allows you to, uh, you know, solemnize a, a wedding. And so that's what I did in New York. And a number of years ago, uh, I had the great privilege of standing at the end of the aisle and uh, pronouncing my uh, sister and her fiance, husband and wife. It was a wonderful experience. Uh, but that the process of making sure that all of our ducks were in a row and that uh, everything was happening legally, uh, it, it did take some time. It took some expense and took some research. And, uh, and in many places, Many places around the country that that's not necessary. I was later asked to officiate another wedding in North Carolina, where no such requirement uh, existed. In fact, it was uh, the husband and wife themselves, or the two individuals uh, wedding one another, who were empowered to solemnize their own wedding. And there is an effort here in the state of Utah uh, by a lawmaker, uh, Representative Jennifer Daly, provost, who would like to see that power uh, vested in those 
actually getting married. And she joins me now to talk a bit about how this came about and how things are looking and and actually where things start, where the law uh, is right now. Representative, welcome to the program. Great to be here, Lee. Thank you. Well, thank you. Tell me, uh, give me a quick summary of what your legislation does. So you, I think you gave a really great summary of that. Self-solemnization just means that it provides, um, after a couple has received their marriage license, it gives couples an opportunity to do a very private, personal action just between them. They can do it however they want. I've heard great stories about people going for a walk in a park and sitting by a fountain and swearing to each other that they... Um, their vows in a way that's meaningful to them, but it's just a, a way to empower people to swear to each other, solemnize their marriage, and make it official and legally binding and and personally binding in that way that's meaningful for them. And in terms of legally binding, on that license you make reference to, there is a spot for you know someone who fits into one of the categories at present here in the state of Utah to sign that they you know as a, you know as a duly empowered individual in the sight of maybe some witnesses, uh, you know you authorize that that marriage, if you will. Your legislation would allow uh, that couple uh, to to sign that line themselves, essentially. Exactly. You get to authorize your own marriage. And I, it's, when, you, when you think of it that way, it seems crazy that it wouldn't have always been that way because who is more important in a marriage than the two people who are embarking on that journey? Why, why would you say is this not the case currently? You know, I think it's just a concept that we that falls outside of our traditional concept and practices of being married. And quite honestly, it's probably one that wouldn't be embraced by a lot of people. And that's okay. You know, a lot of people really love to have that big wedding ceremony. And, you know, I think most young people love to have a big ceremony with lots of people in attendance and and witnesses. And that's a lovely way to go about it, but it's it's not for everyone. My husband and I, for example, had a small wedding ceremony in Ireland, which was really meaningful to us, but it was just a ceremony because legally in Ireland, you cannot be married unless you're an Irish citizen, and neither of us are. And so we had to go through the extra step of making our marriage actually legal by going down to the clerk's office and having a quick um, you know, ceremony with the clerk. And that was fine too, but this would have been really great for us to have our ceremony in Ireland, in Dublin, that we really enjoyed with our family. And then to just make it legal here in the United States and official by self-solemnizing our vows to one another. Um, not that the way we did it was particularly onerous, but had it been an option when we got married, we probably would have taken, you know, taken that up. Your legislation, it wouldn't change the way things are done right now. It wouldn't uh, it wouldn't preclude anyone from doing something that they, uh, you know, maybe their parents did or that they have witnessed in their friends by tradition. It doesn't change. It just adds. Is that correct? Exactly. Absolutely not. We don't want to take away anybody's um, opportunity to do to get married in the ways that they want to get married. However, traditional. We just want to give people this option as one more. I think it's a, I think it's a lovely way to make a promise to each other. And if people choose that as something that means a lot to them, then we should allow them to do that. They still have to get a license and and go through the the legal hoops that we all do. Um, this just adds a way to have that ceremony. Like you said, you can ordain on the internet. I have friends who have done the same as you, have gotten ordained online and have married many couples and. 
it was, it's always been lovely. It's nice to help celebrate couples when they decide to bring their, you know, to make their relationships official. Um, but that meaningful piece is unique to every couple. And I just think this is a lovely personal way. If people choose to take that up, if they, if that's their choice, I think it's a lovely opportunity and um, in no way affects whatever traditional or untraditional mechanism that any couple chooses for themselves. Well, very interesting. Uh, I am I'm grateful to you for, for sharing this information with us. I have clicked on your bill in my little uh, personalized tracking system, looking at the <laughs> bills up on Utah's Capitol Hill this year. Uh, anxious to see how this uh, turns out for you. Uh, Representative Jennifer Daly-Provost, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, and have a wonderful day. Stay all safe. Right. Very good. Uh, all right, uh, interesting stuff. And if you have any thoughts on that, please feel free to weigh in. The Utah Community Credit Union text line is 57500. Uh, interesting proposal there. I uh, wonder how far it'll go. We're going to take a quick break right now. When we return, we're going to have a conversation to wrap up the hour with Utah Congressman Burgess Owens. He assigned his name to a letter uh, which was uh, drafted on Inauguration Day. That letter commits him and other freshman members of Congress uh, to working with the administration and supporting the administration where uh, possible. We're going to talk to him about the details of that letter and how it will steer his time in Congress going forward. Interesting stuff next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.